Well, welcome back to the Batuta Advocate Radio Show. You're joined today by myself, Clancy Overall, and editor-at-large, Errol Parker. How are you, Errol? Not bad, Clance. How are you today? Good, mate. Now, we're recording live from the Baxter Boots studio, as usual. We've got a special guest in here today. There's, uh, there's been a lot of great... Uh, yarn smiths i guess you could say from western queensland there's been a lot of stories about a lot of blokes set in western queensland but tutor advocate have written many but uh one of the more iconic authors of i guess the last uh, century for mm. um particularly for blokes in uh, you know cowboy fiction was a man named robert g barrett yeah he wrote 20 books about the same bloke that's uh that's a lot of yarns clancy yes he was writing about the the now iconic character les norton uh, obviously, Robert G. Barrett's passed. He's no longer with us, but his stories remain. And for many years, John Singleton, Jack Singleton, that particular media family, have been working quite hard with different uh, EPs and screenwriters to get a TV show up and running about the life of Les Norton, the wild man from Dirabandi who moved to Bondi in the 80s and ended up becoming a bouncer in the in the King's Cross at the time, the colourful King's Cross. And that's now in Rake's old slot on the ABC on Sunday nights, isn't it? Yes, yeah, Sunday evenings at 8.30, Les Norton is now officially brought to life. It's been getting some great reviews. And actually, we have been lucky enough to be joined today by the lead actor in the new Les Norton production, Alex Bertrand. Now, Alex is one of those actors who didn't grow up with dreams of becoming an actor. That's something that's come later in life. He's a boy from uh, down there at the northern part of Sydney, the northern beaches there. Uh, sea Eagles country. Yeah, so he's left school and joined the army. And a couple of years later, he injured his leg. Uh, and then, like most people who don't really know what to do with their lives, he ended up at acting school. And to tell us all about it, he's in the studio with us. You're listening to Errol Parker and Clancy Overall, editors of the Batuta Advocate on Desert Rock FM. Alex Bertrand, the actor playing the iconic Les Norton in the uh, wildly popular new ABC show Les Norton, based on the Robert G. Barrett. Robert G. G. Barrett. G. So, Barrett. Yeah. Robert G. Barrett books. I nearly said Robert R.R. Fucking any good author. They <laughs> yeah. needed to put an R.R. in there because it's, it's almost no, no. fantasy. Any author that doesn't have a middle initial doesn't work out. Mm-hmm. Doesn't work out. No. J.K. Rowling. Tolkien. R.L. Stein. R.L. Stein. <laughs> <laughs> How are you, Bertrand? What's going on, mate? Mate, uh, not a lot. Just. Come off the back, obviously, of uh, the fourth episode on Sunday and about to start Fallout next week. So we're just kind of in the middle of chaos at the moment. Just had to move house and, uh, yeah, just uh, settling in, really. I mean, I guess it's probably not fair to describe you as, you know, plucked off the street, even though a lot of the kind of PR team behind Les Norton are saying those kind of things. You've been acting for a little while. Yeah. I mean, I um, it was, it was more that thing of, like, you never really – like, you never think – you can just be an actor. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, honestly, yeah. like it's not the it's not the thought that goes through your head, or, or that there's a way of mm-hmm. going about it. And even still, with acting school, it's still not the way. You know what I mean? It was mm-hmm. just the way that I thought. You know, from my military perspective, obviously yeah. coming out of that, I was like, you know, what's what's the way that I can walk into this and have something behind me and have yeah. the training? You know, yeah, yeah, and yeah. it was like obviously two year diploma at Screen Wise, you finish and you still. You're still thrown into the mix, and that's like 2015. So you start 2013, four months out of the army. Mm-hmm. You can imagine mm-hmm. what that was actually like. You know, you've, you've come from 
a year. Get told when yeah. to go to bed. Mate, on and, on and off, like the, the injury to obviously my right leg, being a TRW there. Shout out to anybody who's stuck at TRW right now. Um, it's the it's the it's Sing, probably, that's Singleton. That's uh, no, that's actually down here at Holsworthy. So right. it's the trainee rehabilitation wing mm-hmm. of the uh, Australian military, mm-hmm. and basically it's where every single trainee who's been injured right. has to go and rehabilitate. And you mm-hmm. can imagine there's really from all over the country. Yeah, and you can imagine there's probably like I don't want to put numbers out here when I was there, but there was probably sixty or sixty five percent were malingerous, which is you know faking injury and just. Have been there for a year and a half with HDTVs and sitting there in, the, in, in, in their cell, and you can imagine. And then like oh and you know that you're not allowed to train outside your rehab programs yeah. or anything. So you're just stuck in this. Your only release was when you're actually going to the the hospital and the the rehab facility, which was open when I was there. It's an eight million dollar rehab facility. They opened at the time. This is every XSF member. Obviously, anyone stationed down there, they're coming in to get their prosthetics fitted. They're, yeah. You know, you're walking through. There's the guy with the, you know, he's, he's, your, he's your size arch. He's six six. He's yep. got a huge scar across his head. He's trying to fit a circle into a square hole. Yeah. You know, that's his mm-hmm. that's his day, daily rehabilitation. And while you're stuck there, you're also under the thumb and scrutiny because you're still a trainee, so you're yeah. not respected as a soldier yet. Yeah. So it was like, you know, I did I did a solid six seven months of that. Yeah. So there's not much there's not much valor in that kind of place, mate. It's. The, well, you, you do get you do get approvals to go play enemy and stuff like yeah, that for yeah. for you know two commando or whatever it would be if they're doing some kind of training exercise yeah. and you know I mean that's the that's the only release if you've got shits and you've hit a medical grade yeah. where they'll they'll let you go do that but other than that it was it was basically hell you know like it was like being in jail and it was uh you know you were stuck there and that was every day once you left there me and me and a buddy of mine you know we we trained outside the rehab program we'd go to Liverpool anytime fitness. And, you know, three of us would go at night once we'd knock off and we'd drive off base and go train. And then, you know, because people were putting on weight. So you had, yeah. a, bu- you had a busted knee. Yeah. 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 So, so I'd snapped the right kneecap. I had grade four damage to my patella, um, grade three to my, the chondral area, my actual kneecap itself. Um, but I tried to crack on for, you know, probably a month because just hoping I could get back squatted. You know, back yep. squatting is basically if, you, if you're with your one platoon, you might be able to do five weeks of rehabilitation, jump into another platoon that's five weeks into their training and then yeah, you yeah. Yep. You finish off. So you're not finishing with your actual mates you were with, but at least you're finishing. Now, that's what I was hoping to do, but then they start doing x-rays and surgeries and then, you know, the things start and then they send mm-hmm. you off and, you know, eventually you get that shit that says, you know, you're no longer going to be an infantryman or have any yep. physical capability here. You can't pass it. So when you hit that stage, then you go into the process of exiting the army. Is there a bit of a come down there? Mate, I, I can't tell you. Like I trained for – originally I wanted to be a clearance diver. Mm-hmm. So when I was in, um, when I was in Thailand – Went over there, 19, absolutely no visions of being a fighter or anything, just going there to train with a couple of our mates who'd actually gone over there at the time. Now, this is where Tiger Muay Thai and uh, Dragon Muay Thai were at the time. Now, there was nothing else on this road. Tiger Muay Thai had a hole-in-the-wall cafe, you know, maybe two, three rings at the most that had set up there. Dragon was still the one ring at the front. They'd just built these two little complexes on the road. Now you fast forward ten years, this is now the mecca for fitness in the world. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's like, and so Boyd, who was actually training with us at Dragons, God, I thought his name was Boy, for the inter- <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? Like we'd always, yeah. but his name was Boyd, and Boyd Clark's his actual name, and he basically he married this tiger when we were there, and he he set up a uh, the um, like a pad store, yeah, you know, right. selling a couple of things. Anyway, he goes on to own and open Phuket Top Team. Right. So all the trainers that I originally started with the Dragon were there. So, you know, it was this kind of – it was a crazy time to be there when mm-hmm. we were there. It was just this new experience in the jungle. 
Were you I, diving at the same time? No, no, no. So the whole thing was is like we're, I went over there and then this random dude, this is what I'm getting to, this random dude is there. He's my age. I just, I just met him when we were there. He's the youngest guy ever to have made the divers right. uh, in the history of 16 and nine months. Now, he's there on three months paid leave a year. So you can imagine you're over there doing the adrenaline thing, you're training, you're fighting, yeah. you're doing whatever, and then suddenly you meet this dude and he's, you know, he's on 105 grand, whatever it is, you know, mm-hmm. fresh out of training. So I kind of went, you know, this is, you got to remember, like, we're raised in that generation that our trauma was September 11. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. That was our trauma then. So that was reverberated through us growing up. So it was that whole thing that peak of the war, I'm then 19. I went, mate, if I survive that mm-hmm. and come out of that, I can do anything. Yeah. You know, I remember I actually had the conversation with my mum because I wanted to, you know, I thought about acting and I was like, no, I've got to do this first yeah. before I can go back and do something like that. It was just something in me, you yeah. know, like just just had to do it. So when I ever fought, came back, started training for the divers. I got accepted through the, the me sessions and the you sessions and everything there, but they weren't running a CDAT for, which is clearance dive acceptance training for, you know, probably 18 months when it ended up being from the day that I was actually accepted. So you yeah. still got to be doing your medicals running through. You can imagine everyone just, just, you know, everyone's going, oh, is he really going? Are you, young? you know, you're young yeah. and you're still waiting and you just feel like an idiot because everyone's, you know, moving on to what they're doing there at uni, you know, doing what they do. So eventually they said, look, you can try it for the, the infantry. Yeah. You know, eventually down the line, you might be able to go try it for two commando or do whatever. You know, they, they pump you yeah, yeah, through yeah. the whole thing. And so I went, yeah, that's great. Going there, finished basic training, first two months of uh, Singo. Snap yep. kneecap, yeah. it's all over. So you can imagine that's almost you know two years, two years yeah. of hardcore training in your yeah. life. So the come down that you have off that, it's uh, yeah, it's it's hard to describe because you've spent that whole t- that whole period being taught that you you're not a civilian, mm. yeah. you're a soldier. You know. So for the listeners who don't really know, the Navy clearance divers, they're more like the. Uh, in America, they'd be the Navy SEALs. In- yeah, oh, it'd be it'd be more like they'd be the the UDT teams, like the underwater demolition. So you, you'd yeah. be trained yeah. in you know, pneumatic drills and chainsaws and water insertions and a lot of underwater explosive ordnance clearing. Yep, and it's high octane. So like, yeah, this bloke you met, yeah. was an, he was an intense dude. He was, and he was. He, you know, <laughs> this guy was like five foot six. Yeah, you know, he was like tiny, five six, yeah. five seven. Like he was, the, he was the shortest, littlest dude, and he was telling me stories about you know when he. He'd be on dive course and lose his mask and wouldn't wouldn't even have the guts to like say I've left my mask and he'd be doing night dives with no bloody goggles on, you know, off palmy, <laughs> just because he knows how chewed out he's gonna get. Because yeah. if it's yeah. an operational deployment, they tra- they yeah. they train the same way. So he yeah. would just prefer to just shut up and have his eyes open. Go in salty, the yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, oh, and, it was, yeah. and I, I don't know what it is, but you know, when you're a young bloke, it's just something about. Um, you know, I was I was definitely wanting to to test myself in that in that way. You know, I was young, fit, and capable, and I mean, yeah, just the 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 way that massive believer, you know, in the universe, obviously, and everything's happening for a reason. And then suddenly, the injury at the time was, you know, yeah, gutting. And then it's like you find yourself uh, surrounded by these. Uh, <laughs> potentially not injured blokes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, well. I think there are. There's a lot of people who don't really know that there is um, the jail for the uh, whole of the ADF is also on Holdsworthy. It is. Yeah. Did you um, get to hang out with those guys too? Uh, you know, I, I did. I, I did. I did get to uh, meet a couple of military coppers when I was in there. They were. Um, yeah. They were like. I mean, the military police, obviously, you know, that's a that's a high-octane job in itself yeah. because you don't realise that when they start, the deployments they get are tailored to, you know, uh, diplomats and, you know, in war zones. Yeah, right. 
So these guys actually then get put in the the most high risk PTSD triggering kind of jobs because they're constantly on, mm-hmm. surrounded by you know diplomats protecting them twenty four seven. But I mean, yeah, they have the brig out there, and I think guys can do up to a year, <laughs> uh, year inside and you know come out. So. <laughs> do, you, do you did you find that PTSD thing uh, like the whole attitude towards that in the military changing while you were there? Yeah, it feels like a relatively new thing that everyone's uh, you know it's 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 actually accepted and it's a it's a thing that you, you talk about now. Yeah, I mean it's, in and outside of the military. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. mean totally. And it was like at the time, obviously you'd you'd see it from you know you'd see, you'd see it from higher ups. You know, you'd meet guys, and there'd be there'd be guys, obviously, clearly who you know were suffering from it badly, and you know, mm-hmm. you, you just put it down to them being angry or yeah. having a chip on the shoulder or whatever, and then you find out the guy's been in three IED strikes. He's an interesting bloke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, he's got a story, but uh, but I mean, the amazing thing is, is that you know, I, I dealt with a lot of guys uh, coming out of the military. You know, I met a lot of guys uh, from Royce Hardman, who you know stood in front of Soldier on, and mm-hmm. yep. a couple of the guys, and it was basically their platoon. Uh, they had a really hard hit. Uh, and two of them have actually killed themselves yeah. since I've known these guys. It's funny that we're talking about this because I met a guy uh, through Stephen Lemacan who plays, um, you know, Thumper in the series. Yeah. Now he started an app called Red Six. It's for military members all around Australia, and they're, they're trying to make it international at the moment. And basically, it's you can be walking around. There's different stages and different tiers to, you know, obviously needing your help and how you get your help, but. Mm-hmm. Code red would be emergency services and everyone coming out. As you pass other military members, you can actually see where they are in your range, no matter what you know, yeah, Army, right. Air Force, or right. uh, or Navy, as they served with you, and actually have a bio about them, how many tours they did, what they have, and you can have the information and related to share with these guys. So it's um you know the extra specialist boys who did danger close, they're they're yeah. totally behind it. But that's a field that you know you, you it's it's all experimentation. I think yeah. I think you know I think in the states they're even using psilocybin and you know mm. testing all kinds of hallucinogens now with guys and they're having success, some success and some not and mm-hmm. you know it's a it's a lot of work to be done a lot of work to be done yeah yeah now at what point in your life alex were you work actually working the door in the cross working was that the door. was that pre pre <laughs> uh was that pre army that was pre army so that was pre lockouts and pre lockouts that was pre lockouts now and also was- <laughs> a little birdie told me you might have been working for a prominent uh, hospitality professional from uh, sydney a little mm. a little hospitality professional from sydney <laughs> that is uh, that is true so uh so if, if you yeah so john, basically john his uh <laughs> so basically john uh john he's, i was actually very good friends with his son daniel yeah, right. when we were working up there and we were younger and you know um, i started off in uh i started off at a place called the back room mm-hmm. when that when they first reopened yeah. it was lady lux when i was i was very young yeah you know i was a young dude who could handle myself i was training for the military when i'd come back from thailand mm-hmm. um you know you can imagine you you're sober on a on a weekend you know thursday to sunday and you go out there and you make the same as you would for a week's wages back then it was cash you know so it was, you know it was it was just it was That's just living. it was just it was just a different time and obviously it was not it was nothing permanent it wasn't a career yeah. it was no, somewhere su- no super <laughs> <laughs> you know but it was um it definitely taught me a lot about reading people yep and you know, there's there's one thing that I I took from that. Nine times out of ten, you can talk someone out of out of something. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter what they could have a brandy glass turned upside down in your face off mm-hmm. their bloody head. You know, trying to have a crack, and you can nine times out of ten just be like, mate, you know, I'm sober. I've been, you know, like trust me, yeah. like you know, I've got. There's six Islanders who are on call. <laughs> you know, yeah. the biggest guys I've ever met. Yeah. You know, like uh, Samir, we used to work with up there, was the silver medalist uh, in the Sydney Olympics in judo. Yeah, you know, he worked the door with me there, and it's like these are these are the kind of guys that are on call with you. But yeah, you know, I could run the door and uh, and show face there. And I mean, it was a, it was an exciting time. You know, 
lots of girls, lots of fun. Yeah, yeah, but there's always that one, isn't there? There's, there's always that one. There's always that one, man. He's there's dropping names. Dropping names. <laughs> just, <laughs> hey, Samir here. He told yeah. me to. Yeah. <laughs> he just, yeah, yeah. And that was uh, that was the first time I saw a guy get kicked yeah. in the head yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as he was upright. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Did you grow up playing like the, the character Les Norton? Obviously, a lot of our listeners are well and truly familiar with uh, Les Norton and and Barrett. Barrett sold a million books in Australia, which hasn't been done that many times. Did you grow up playing rugby league? Uh, I grew up playing league till I was six, mm-hmm. and then I transferred to Union and I played for the uh, it was a Seaforth Raider. Mm-hmm. <laughs> back when the- back when there was money in it. <laughs> back when the- back when there was money in it, you know. That's what I was talking about. Like, do you remember what it was like to go on a on a Saturday night and the whole team? All the parents would be there together, and you'd all you'd all go over, and someone would have the barbecue, and you'd be watching Johnny Eels go for the, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. the, the bladder style, the Tri Nations, and he'd be taking the kick, or you'd watch Gregan take out Lomu, you know, yeah. like over. Yeah. It was exciting, mm-hmm. and, it, and, it, and it was cool, and it was real, and I mean, that's that's when I played, and I ended up playing for the Marlins. Yep. So, under under fourteens, I think we did yep. the undefeated tour of New Zealand. Yep. Came back, and they came back two years later, and they were all six foot eight, and yeah, yeah, one hundred and twenty kilos, or whatever no, the hell no, they were. No. You know, <laughs> I don't think anything. <laughs> has changed at all. The only things that have changed are the fucking refs. You know, refs. because now it's like yeah, because now it's like if you're an all black, you can enter from the side, you can enter from the front, you can enter yeah, from the yeah, back, yeah. you know, it doesn't just, matter. Just approved. Oh we also they also gave us a coach for like five years that was a sleeper cell from New Zealand, but whatever. Yeah yeah. Who's who, who, yeah, who's uh, who's paid attention to yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Robbie. <laughs> Deansy. Deansy. That's what the mates always Deansy. say when you make yeah. a shit call. Right on Deansy. <laughs> now you've done a bit of TV before and you've actually done a bit of film I had a I had a pretty good upbringing you know yep. great family then obviously uh, coming up parents divorced probably 13, 14 mm-hmm. you do separate ways you go to school I actually was uh, I actually got into filmmaking when I was super young yep. so I used to film and edit snowboarding movies and we make little jackass you know, every fuck around, like just, every young yeah, man yeah, in the Western yeah, yeah, world yeah, yeah, for about yeah, two yeah. years. There. Yeah, you Got know, that camcorder out exactly, couple yeah. trolleys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I did some work experience uh, at a place called the construction site in North Sydney, and it was all, excuse me, you know, un, unpaid. And I basically, uh, I went in there, and they were doing the Kelly movie at the time, the Slater movie, and they asked me to take you know forty one hour DV tapes, cut all the the scenes of Kelly paddling. And I remember I was in there and. Just kind of kicked off a good rapport with him, and then he introduced me to a guy called Ryan Gardner. Now, Nugget was his nickname. Nugget owned Digital Snowboard Magazine. So that, at the time, they were the only mag that would come out and they'd have a DVD with him. Now, I started working with him. We went down to Jindabyne. We started filming. I went over to do a camp in uh, Europe for four months called Holy Moly. Made the, made the, whole, uh, the whole thing. You know, they, they comped the whole thing for the, the camp. All I had to do was pay for flights. I think it was like 14, 15. Went over, did that. Came back, obviously had a love of filmmaking, went to the States, did the same thing, snowboarding for years, back-to-back winters, went to the cross. But then the acting thing didn't come into play, as I said, until the injury. Mm-hmm. And the injury was kind of like later in life and I'd always done the behind the scenes but never in front. And then, you know, obviously something, you just goes, go, you give it a crack, you end up at this school. I finish, the day I finished, I had, you know, a pretty lucky series of events had a good audition for a pretty big role overseas mm-hmm. and then i just missed out on the uh the new macgyver series right they did i uh, ended up coming down the the final two or three for aka that. america's les norton yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know it was like and that, that was like i hadn't done anything and that was um and that was just as i'd, I'd finished acting school within four months and so 
I mean, that, at the time it was it was all going quite well, and then you know I was down at my mum's farm and coming back and forth and living in the east, and mm-hmm. then you know you, you, I did a show called Hide and Seek with um, Deb Lee Furness and Maddie Nable. First day on set, first scene, Harriet Dyer's playing my, my girlfriend and I'm playing a Nazi. So they shave all my hair off and cover me in Nazi ink. Really? Matty Nabel breaks my ribs. Oh, really? <laughs> I, do, I do eight takes each side of this like three, four minute long running scene where we're doing a fight. And after like four or five takes, I'm bouncing him off the concrete. He's bouncing me <laughs> off the concrete. We just, you know, we went to hammer and tong and I had another two weeks of shooting to go and we just kind of finished and... I just put a hairline fracture in two of my ribs, you know, by the arm. I've got the pad on. I'm trying to sit up, and I've still got two weeks of filming to do. Well, he's an ex. He played NRL. Oh, he's a, he's a <laughs> tough yeah. unit, man. He was a, he's a gun boxer. Big and boy. He's a, and so he's not throwing the punches to hit me, but every time it's the same spot. Yeah. And yeah. even just with his power and precision, even if yeah. two or three of them caught, it's enough. You know, one's enough. So that kind of happened, and then, you know, I finished the two weeks. And it was a great, great little series. It was heaps of fun, you know, yeah. and it was – um pretty on the pulse with what's really been happening around uh, Australia. And then I uh, finished that, did a, did a bit on Home and Away for, you know, three months. As you do. Playing a copper. Yeah, and just uh, you know, oh, you got to short, you got to you got to bypass the heartthrob, yeah. bro. You, <laughs> you went straight to a cop. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, yeah, chasing those bloody river boys. Well, yeah, know. well, you, you, you're now, that's funny because you're now with a river boy in Lays North. Yeah. Oh, mate, Peacock, and he's a Dubbo boy, right? He's a yeah. Dubbo boy, yeah, yeah. And that's another thing very about, about yeah. this but this Les Norton. You guys have this accent that you do sound like ringers. You spent a bit of time. Up in Deer and Bandy? Uh, so it wasn't Deer and Bandy, so I went up to uh, Wallambila. Yeah, right. Yeah, uh, we filmed, um, We filmed. so I was up near Roma there, and we, yeah. we drove out to Wallambila and did this Iron Jack commercial last year. Yeah, right. Uh, the oh, f- the Wallambila Hotel, they got the, the uh, bench of bullshit. <laughs> yeah, 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 front, yeah, yeah, and the yeah, federal, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so I finished there, but then they got this extra named Jesse Johnson. Mm-hmm. You know, he comes on set and he sits right next to me and he's got the beer with the non-alcoholic beer in it on a Friday Arvo, yeah. and every single take he just... Just sipping away, sculling this non-alcoholic beer, and the standby props is coming. Going like, are you, are you taking the piss? You know, and he's like, and he's like, no, you know, it tastes good. And I started listening to him talk, and you know, next thing you know, he's telling me where he's from. He's from um, uh, right near uh, Deer and Bandy, about ninety k's away. And we start talking, and just this, yeah, it was just a light bulb moment. I was like, you're Les Norton, yeah, like yeah. you're, you know, in terms <laughs> of a character, and like you know, take the whole thing with it. I was like, yeah, that's the, that's the kind of run I'm going to take with it. And yeah. then you know, you. Four months later, you're doing the callbacks or whatever. Three months later, you're in LA. So you already you already had your eye on Les. Yeah, I'd already done the first round, but it was like we did a series uh, two. You know, it'll be out hopefully next year. Australian Gangster, yep. and so John and Dan Edwards, who produced uh, Gangster with Roadshow, yeah. they produced Les Norton as well. Mm-hmm. So they mentioned we've got this role, but obviously at the time you're like, once you hear the names they've got thrown in the mix and and the guys they've got with them, you know, you're going like as if. I even have a crack at this or, or even a shot and you know uh, you know they took this shot and then you know within two weeks it was kind of all working out and the, the shorts boys were there and yeah it was a surreal experience taking this dude that I met up there Jesse Johnson of all names and, and you know what the best thing is like, the other day I ran into the um, <laughs> I ran into Ed the the uh, so he's actual he's the head of line you know they do all the beers and yeah. So I ran into him, I hadn't seen him in over a year, and, he, and, I, and I mentioned that, you know, I've, I've used Jesse as this characterization. Do you remember? And he goes, yeah, yeah, Jesse. He goes, he goes, do you know what his email was? And I was like, when he goes, Jesse the legend at Hotmail. <laughs> 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 no, good on you, Jesse. Good on oh, you, Jesse, if you listen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard the yarn about how the boys at Lion, they were, they basically got caught asleep at the wheel because Great Northern has just, you know, taken up that whole big market. 
snuck into the bush. Well, up well, there you know, in the well, they, well, they yeah. were. Um, well, well, Lion, I guess, was trying to um, give Forex a bit of a different uh, lane. Yeah. They were thinking, you know, a bit more Corona for Forex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Great Northern just became Forex and snuck in. Yeah, and then these guys from um, from Iron Jack have come down and said, you know, like. Great Northern is the beer that's up on all the boats up there, you know. That's just their thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Iron Jack is more of a crabbing beer, <laughs> you know. Like, you know, like, Getting real niche. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, yeah, no, no, yeah, no, no, yeah, no, yeah. no, no, no. I thought that yarn was a fucking lie. And then if you have a look on the bottle, there's actually little tiny crabs on the there's fucking label. The yeah, all over it. <laughs> uh, was they, um, yeah, I mean, I, I still got to get some Iron Jack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get yeah, gonna get caught. Yeah, get sorted out with that. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, just quickly, the Muay Thai thing—that's a big thing in the military right now. We had another guest on Tyson Pedro. Uh, Tyson, yeah, 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 a couple yeah. weeks ago. I actually, he, he, actually met Tyson when we did uh, when I was training for Gangster. Yeah, yeah, and he movie, did yeah. um, a Nogra, and he was uh, he was Defense Force for a while. Yeah. Obviously, he comes from uh, from a. Yeah, MMA background, but is that is that what's happening in 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 the forces at the moment? Um, look, I, I, I you know it's been seven. Was that just you well, and your mates running? <laughs> you, got, you went astray in Thailand and <laughs> learned to fight. <laughs> no, look, it, it's I mean I mean obviously obviously you know you you, you got to know how to fight in the military. And it's a big part of it. I mean one of my one of my best mates to this day. Um, you know I won't, won't mention his name. He's in the he's in the SAS. You know still serving. Um, we went through together. You know, and the whole joke was when I got injured and as I was leaving, I said, you know, I'm, I'm going out here and he was just about to go on selection. And he said, okay, don't call me till you're famous, dickhead. Oh, right. I said, yeah, yeah, sweet. And I said, don't call me till you make it. Anyway, surely enough, January, I called him up and I said, oh, guess what? I'm about to be famous, dickhead. So he, he, flew, he flew across and we sat there and we had a beer down at Warfire and, you know, we we're just, we're just having a good laugh. But, I mean, he does, you know, hand-to-hand combat. He does a lot of Krav Maga, he does a lot of jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Yeah, right. And that's what all the boys kind of train with. They do these things with, like, you know, uh, these little knives with obviously wires running around the outside and they're kind of electrified yeah. so you can feel it when it hits you and they do a lot of Fuck yeah I mean yeah high <laughs> high octane is the word we'll use for that yeah, yeah. now have you been getting much love from the bush because I, you know, I tell you the reviews we've been hearing is everyone loves it and it's, you've done the books justice as well uh, no one knew where they'd find a red nut as tall as you not a natural red nut mind you no 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 so I had to uh, so I had a shaved head for, for gangster so that was the first note that I got the day we finished was can you please just not cut your hair just grow it from here you know just in case they're home in LA and they're like oh can you just go get a diet at a hairdresser real quick just to make sure <laughs> see, if, see if it looks so I'm like okay you know this bloody bright red and I'm still looking at it and it's like Surely enough, you come back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then when you come back, they had to do like different shades, you know. So they're going through like the bleached eyebrows, then into the the first shade of red, and then it's too red. Then they're going back from the strawberry, and you're walking through. And the first the first day, I'm walking past the oaks, and some dude just yells out of his ear, and I I felt gutted because suddenly I realised I was like, oh man, like that discrimination. I was was like, yeah, that actually hurt. And he's he's like, you're big fucking ranger. I was like. Okay, <laughs> can't well, can't, like, can't can't deny that. Well, like, well, like it's so weird how the man who created this whole thing has been dead for a number of years, and he's the only one who would really know what color red yeah. his oh, hair was, I'm, and I'm, then yeah. and then you've got these people down there in the in Ultimo at the ABC, you know, at earning 
<laughs> hundreds of thousands of dollars of taxpayer money and they're having a whinge over what colour your hair should be. I mean, <laughs> it, it just, it boggles the mind. Yeah, but look, they, they all, uh, you know, every, everyone's got to say when it comes down to it because so many people are involved in this yeah. thing, you know, yeah. from the start, from Singo, you know, his dad, um, the Schwartz boys, you know, like as John Schwartz, you know, he's a, he's a young pup. This is seven, eight years ago, mm-hmm. almost nine. Mm-hmm. He approaches... Bob Barrett, while he's still with us, you know, on yeah. his last legs through his last year, walks up to him. He's like, "Hey, mate, I'd love. I'm, I'm a fan. I'd love to make these." He goes, "Yeah, cool. You just got to talk to Singo first. Yeah, right. <laughs> and that became the thing, you know. And then obviously Bob leaves the rights to Lisa, Lisa Farrell, this beautiful angel, the possum. You know, he yeah. talks about yep. in the books there, and so he leaves the, the other part with her. And then there's all these dispersed rights and kind of over the thing but he actually he, knew yeah. he might have sold the rights to a few different people yeah. <laughs> yeah. perhaps yeah. perhaps in, in his age not, yeah, 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 yeah 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 look whatever, whatever <laughs> he did in the end I mean the, the one thing that he knew that I love to see the fans you know everyone debates over it and they all go oh, you know Bob would be turning his grave you yeah. see some of these comments you see that and you go okay well Lisa knew him and he actually knew in the end uh, John and his brother Mike Schwartz what they did yeah with Morgan O'Neill yep. to actually create this thing and run the ball up from there and actually have Bob's approval, you know, on certain things. And obviously on the ground level when they started, I didn't know or was familiar other than the character, just knew the name Les Norton. Yeah. Mm. Now I started on this thing and it wasn't emotional to me. It wasn't even attached. I mean, you get cast, you're in LA and you're basically on, you know, you've spent all your money you've you've earned from, from this other job. You're living paycheck to paycheck. You know, you're coming back and there you are in LA. You're just finishing and you're like, you know, you're like, oh my God, so I'm Les Norton. You're like, yeah, okay. And then I'm thinking it's not even as big as Australian Gangster. I'm thinking it's just this, you know, pretty decent show, ABC. And then they they call me and they go, okay, so we got your first co-star. Yeah, I was right. like, oh, cool. Who's that? Oh, it's Rebel Wilson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shit. Do you, what? <laughs> yeah. You know, like, it's yeah. like, okay. And then it's like, oh, yeah, and, you know, but, uh, yeah, so it's uh, David Wenham. Yeah, yeah. So those those... With different waves you had to ride. Yeah, you know, and like for me, obviously like, you know, you, you, I work well under pressure. That's the one thing I've, I've worked out, you know, like if, if I've got spare time, I'm no good. You know, give me a whole bunch of shit mm-hmm. to do and I'll, I'll, I'll work pretty well. And it was like, so the, the pressure, I guess, that came from that is, is, you know, the pressure to perform. And then you go, okay, so you really focus on it. And I just went down, spent some time with my family down the south coast with Chrissy, went and got this huge 10-person, two-room tent you know, split it up, basically glamping, you know, put the queen size in there, set up the front room and put my my grandfather's book from World War Two. you know, um, my grandma and him both passed away, but, you know, he was a highly decorated fighter pilot. Yeah. Bring his book everywhere I go and I've got my uh, grandma's elephant, which is a brass elephant from India where she was born. So I bring them everywhere with me, got my little sage, you know, I'd burn that, got my 10 eps and I'd just wake up every morning watching the whales and dolphins jump and I'd have the ruse around me. Read the and whole thing, top to read, bottom? Read the whole thing, top to bottom. And, I, you know, I went to Lowe's and I bought a bunch of, like, ACDC singlets and footy shorts and just thongs. And, you know, I just didn't wear anything else but this. And they dyed my hair, <laughs> you know, halfway through this. Then you hit the gym, obviously, at some yeah, point. Yeah, that is, that's that's That's, moody. that's a big read. That's, 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 <laughs> that's easy. But it was, but you know, the funniest thing was, I remember I got to like ep eight and I just called Morgan and I hadn't really spoken to Morgan for the Chrissy period. You know, I met him for a beer, I think in Milton, um, uh, when we were down there just, just over the Chrissy period, but I called him and I said, you funny, funny bastard. Yeah, you yeah. know, I like got to about eight and I went, we're going to have to pull this off. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. like I was reading yeah. it, when you're reading it, you're going, this is outrageous. How the hell are we get 
Yeah, well, you know. do you think that Morgan has read every Les Norton book? Mm. Or do you think he read the first couple and was like, yeah, I think I got the gist of this? Look, I think, no, Morgan's a massive Bob fan. And, you know, I, th- I think what Morgan loves about the books, you know, Bob could laugh at everyone. Yeah. Could take the piss out of everyone. That's what this day and age is missing. And it's yeah. not, you know, it's it's nothing against the, the how far we've come yeah. as a society, you know. It's more just the fact that, you know, there's, there's barriers and there's limits to things that we all have to appreciate. You know, someone can be someone without offending someone else yeah, and it's, yeah. you know, it, it sh- there should be a, a bit yeah. of leeway. So to dance that line and then to obviously be commissioned for the ABC, yeah. you're like, okay, this is... <laughs> well, I mean, and he danced that line this, very well in the magic. 80s. This, that's, what I'm, that's what I mean. He's like, this is magic what the guy did, you know? And yeah, it's like, yeah. but, he, but he did it. Yeah, you know, yeah. he did it. And then yeah. you, you cast the people that he cast. Well, there's, there's, some, there's some interesting stats. Uh, most... Loaned book at Long Bay Jail. Yep. Which is just so funny because you imagine those blokes down there oh, no. reading the books thinking, this is me when I get yeah. out. You know <laughs> <what> I <mean? laughs> I'm going straight to Bondi most, and I'm going to be rooting and brawling and yeah. yada. Most read in the uh, Defence Force. Yeah, Defence Force well. yeah. Yeah, yeah, too, yeah, right. Well, yeah. There's, the there's, coppers, yeah. there's 20 books. Right, and then there's two short stories yeah. or something. on yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking it's forward huge. to seeing this thing go the whole way because you get to the end of... Uh, of Les's kind of catalogue, and there's High Noon in Nimbin, 2002. Oh, yep. that yeah. Was, that was Les's last, uh, I think, yeah. his last appearance. Yeah, was yeah, a, yeah, yeah. A Nimbin-themed... Uh, well, I mean, it's it's funny because it's like, you know, they. I'm, I'm not sure if it was that book because I'm not familiar, you know, with the exact correlations yeah, yeah. or what was written in. I just know when they, they put one in. But now. there were some books where he's in there for two pages. Yeah, you know what I, mean? I know, I know. And it's like, and the funny thing is, you know, obviously the, the places you can go with the story mm. and as an arc, like, you know, I'm not, not from a a wanky acting point of view or anything, but it's like as an arc, you've got 20 books to work with yeah. and then you've also got storylines which you can create with people like Morgan and writer's rooms. Yeah. So it's it's not, um, yeah, it's it's not like there's there's a, a lack of, uh, you know, content yeah, to, to sure. draw from or, or use for it. And yeah, I mean, might, might be the next rake, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, could be. Good time slot. Now tell us what it was like working with Johnny Spiteri, David <laughs> Wenham. Honestly, that was um, – it's a spin-out because the first day you meet – like, uh, you know what I watched the other night and I, I completely forgot he was even in it. It was the third Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's gone. Yeah. Like, he does – you know, he he's rides very great. He's, he's very gross. He's Faramir, bro. Like, very good at <laughs> – yeah. like, He's very good at a neutral fantasy accent. Yeah. 300, he does the same thing yeah, too. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. This is not an accent. This is yeah. just – English language. But yeah. I, 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 can, I, I went to boarding yeah. school in Hong Kong. Yeah. Yeah, like, you know. That's the accent. Yes. That's the accent of fantasy. Yes. Yeah, my that. mum's from Canada yeah, and yeah. my father is from Namibia. <laughs> but it's like, you know, that's that's the thing, man. Imagine imagine having a dude like Wenham come on set and you got Rosniak with you. He's just, mm. you know, just honestly the funniest dude ever. And, you and you know, we're sitting there and Wenham's just a professional, man. Like, he... he like I've said this a couple of times, but there's one day he would have had 215 to 230 lines in a day, 16 minutes of footage to film, and he just did it, and he didn't drop a beat. And he even said to Rosniak and I, we're talking about, like, have we read the scripts in, you know, a couple of months or whatever, and he's going, yeah, so I read all 10 again on Sunday just yeah. to get through them, you know, just to refresh myself of where we'd be for these ones. And we're, I'm kind of going... That's why you're David Wenham. Yeah, you're a professional. Yeah. You know, like there's a great line of use for him. He's an acting mercenary. Yeah, yeah. You need right. the job done, you you call Wenham. <laughs> that, is, that is a good you know, line. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, he, he, you know, he appeared in um, 
most recently as well, another series of Ozzy Romper Stomper. Yes, that was yeah, 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 yeah. But he's um he's never stopped working. That's another thing. No, some people take sabbaticals. Now, what was it like working with Rebel? Because she's coming off some big steam in LA. Yeah, that doesn't affect her. She's just straight into it. Does she appreciate being in an Australian production? Look, I think she she had more fun than she even realised she was going to have. You yeah, know? Mm-hmm. like her and I. You know, I won't give too much away because you know, obviously, it's it's later eight nine those kind of yeah. apps when you'll see all this. But we did some outrageous stuff. Yeah, you know, her and I together, and it gets to, like there's there's one episode, you know, the one when it hits, and it's just it's absurd. When I was reading it on paper, I was like, how's this even going to work? <laughs> her coming back from where she's come from, and off the back of what she's come from as yeah. well, you know, just with 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 turmoil, the media yeah. herself, yeah. you know, yeah. her, her role. You can't imagine what it's like, you know, to to walk in someone's shoes or be someone. So when they came on, I was just, you know, I was neutral. I was like, hey, how are you? You know, nice to meet you. I'm here. And she just had an instant kind of connection and a turnaround. And we had a, you know, we had an amazing time, man. Like mm. it was, it was lots of fun. You know, she'd rock up and she loves to improv. So you know, a bit, lot of, bit of riffing, bit of riffing, <laughs> bit of riffing is, uh, yeah, you know, and it was, but that's the thing. She loved it, and she was great at it, and she is great at it, and that's the that's her niche, and that's what she brings to mm. it. It's, it's just different people doing different things, you know, and that's that's the mix that we have. Now, just uh, just lastly, Alex, what's coming up for you? Is there anything in the? I mean, Fallout. Yep. So, and uh, look, I've I've got a couple I've got a couple of big things in the pipeline um, over in the states, but that's just you know. Uh, yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, gag order. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you know, like it's, NDA yeah. <laughs> stands for non-disclosure yeah. agreement. But yeah, you know, like there's a, there's a couple there's a couple really cool things on the horizon. But I mean, at the end of the day, super happy. Obviously, starting Fallout next week. Uh, good mate of mine. We've just done. Thing out, you boys know Parsonson. Mm-hmm. You know the legend himself. It's like he'll be uh, he'll be joining me as Hillier Murphy right. in Fallout. Yeah, you know, he's a little acting mercenary himself. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> a lifer from yeah. Love My Way to uh, he's risen, he's risen the ranks, and it's but you know it's a it's a really interesting project Fallout. Oh, beauty. Well, mate, it's great to see big fellas getting cast again uh, in, in Australia. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to say too much, but there's a lot of slender Australian roles that go that don't go begging. Ryan Cor, uh, your, your smaller Hemsworths. I think you're the you're, <laughs> the, the, the medium ground. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, uh, the cheaper Hemsworths. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> uh, um, no, but also, you know, like there's a lot of. Um, it's, this has been the first time in a long while since we've seen a big alpha character come out of Australian TV, I guess. Yeah. I mean, did you, Australian TV is really good at doing like the drunken anti-hero. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's a lot of them, but there's never just like the straight edge, eh, not that dull, but like just yeah, a, no, a good bloke. I, I, I know what you brute. mean. It's, it's, it's yeah. been a while since we've had the brute on TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it is refreshing to play that and it also is refreshing to, to be doing what we're doing, but... You know, yeah. Like I said, man, I'm I'm super happy to be here because I know at any stage you can all be over. I know at any stage you can all be working. And uh, I mean, it's know. it's not going to end as quickly as say like the military does when you tear your knee open. But- oh, look, dude, I'll, <laughs> I'll knock this wood because you know anything can happen. But I mean, if there's one thing I've learned, it's just be present, always be present. You know, enjoy yeah. the moment, enjoy the day. Come in. If not, you've got a uh, grime album in you, I reckon. Yeah, got a grime album. Yeah, <laughs> get, a, get a couple of those. Or we'll save that one. Save that one down the track. Spit a few bars. Yeah, yep. one, one four dropped a good one today. So, <laughs> <Yep>. Yeah, <laughs> saw that. <laughs> well, yep. thanks for joining us, Bertrand. It's um, it's great. It's yeah, great to have you, boys. And we look forward to seeing the rest of the 
versus the apps. Yep, we do. With uh, there's 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 just a couple left, and you've been. I'm just reading now that you have been rating higher than the cricket every night it's been on. Wow, higher than the Ashes when, the, the, when it's been on Sunday, you know. But that's uh, higher than the cricket. That's pretty good gear, mate. That's pretty good gear. Good yeah, gear. yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, yeah. good gear. <laughs> <laughs> Thank Thanks, you, mate. Mate, my pleasure. <laughs>